How are we doing? Everybody doing good? Hey, we are, uh, if you're new with us, we are finishing up a three-week series, uh, and if you keep wondering what, what is our anniversary, we started this church uh, seven years ago, and Action Church, we are now one church with four locations, and about 30 or 40% of our church still meeting online, worshiping online, so welcome uh, due to the uh, COVID-19 and, and their uh, own uh, personal situation, so we welcome you uh, worshiping with us. But we started seven years ago, actually on Tuesday, January 26th of 2014, and we launched at Winter Springs High School and, uh, and had 796 people join us that day. 26 of them uh, give their life to Jesus, and since then, I think we're right about 11,000 people have made a decision to follow Jesus coming up this this season, and so uh, we're just so honored for all that God has done, um, and really uh, full of faith that we really are just getting started. I really think uh, coming through this last season of, of 2020, God was refining the church uh, to, to be ready uh, to reach people that need hope uh, in a world that's it's pretty, pretty tough right now. You know, we're in uh, week three of, of Near Me. Week one, we talked about hope near me. How many of you would say coming out of last year that you need a little bit of, of hope? Anybody else? Not all the hands are up here. Some of you are like, no, I am full of faith, Pastor. Like, no, you're not. You're a liar. You're a liar. And, uh, and no, we need some hope. We talked about week one. We have some real trends uh, in, in our life, and there are things trending near us, like COVID and elections and stimulus and unemployment and suicide. And, and we have to find hope. And then if we include God, what we just saying, if we include God in everything in our life, we talked about those apps, remember, that, that they're always working in the background and you have a choice to whether enable it to always be on or only when using. And too many believers, too many Christians only allow God into certain areas of their life. They, they dictate where he fits. On Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. or on Tuesday night for a freedom group, he, he fits here. I'll allow God to work when, only when I want to use him. But we decided, no, we need to allow God access to our life all the time and really even to allow him to send us some push notifications. Come on, the Holy Spirit prompting us of what to do and what not to do. Now, I don't like any push notifications on my phone, but some of us, myself included, need to give God access to send us some, some notifications in our life. We, we're really gonna find hope when we allow God to have access to everything. And then Pastor Joseph did a phenomenal job last week talking about Peter and taking off that, that garment of shame and, and guilt that we find grace when we receive what Jesus did, that we don't hold on to what happened to us or even what we did in our past, but there's a grace that only comes from our relationship with Jesus. And then today, the last week, I, I wanna talk about needs near me. There are some needs in our life. There are some needs in our community. There are some needs overseas through international missions. You know, at Action Church, we say this every single week. We exist to reach people where they are and connect them to everything God has for their life. And for us, that is not just a statement. We filter everything through that, that we exist to reach people where they are. There are needs near us, and we have to go to where they are, whether it be through uh, Reach Week, which we'll talk about in just a, a moment. We're gonna go to where they are. You get this. Uh, you, you get this idea. If you call Action Church home, and I, and I promised you, so I wanna celebrate right here as we talk about meeting new needs, I wanna talk about the needs that we've already met for just a few moments and celebrate in a, in a year of a pandemic, a global pandemic and, 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 and tough economic, Orlando being one of the hardest hit unemployment, uh, we raised uh, for our expansion offering $908,525. <laughs> in December 
And what I'm the most proud of is we had an all-time high of tithes and offerings that month as well. And so you're getting it, church, that we return the tithe. Tithing is not giving. We're really clear on that action, church. Tithing is trust and tithing is returning. So not only do we tithe, but we return to God, but we gave over and above 908,000, 150 more gifts than last year. We didn't quite hit the thousand, so we got a little work to go, so don't, don't clap right now. You, you're a little short of the goal, but we had 530 last year, almost 700 unique gifts this year in the middle of a pandemic. So I'm so proud of you and can't wait to celebrate all that we're gonna do with that. One of the ways in which we do that is through our outreach. And I wanna show you a video right now of the projects we did uh, just this last week, all six days, Monday through Saturday, reaching people where they are and connecting to everything God has for their life. Take a look at the screen at all locations. go because God said go, but I want to believe in a measure more. We're not stepping out to be a success. We're stepping out just to say yes to what God's called us to do. But we're believing for a measure more. Action Church is not going to grow based on your creativity or your creativity or your ideas. Action Church is going to grow based on how obedient you are. And that's it. So what is obedience? Obedience to Action Church is that we're, we're going to reach and connect people to everything that God has for their life. Man, what started out as a Serve Saturday, which then turned into a Reach Day, which is now Reach Week. I'm standing on a pavilion that over the last year we have served several times a week hot meals throughout the week for our homeless community. And I love what we get to be a part of. It's because of you are we able to reach and connect people to everything that God has for their life. And for us, that is obedience. So thank you for allowing us to be obedient. Hey, we're here at Hope Helps in Oviedo today, one of our local partners that we have the honor of partnering with at Action Church Oviedo. And we're actually sorting some food and some clothes today to help their store. We love this organization. It actually battles hunger and really helps with homelessness in our community. And so one of our Reach Week projects has been incredible to be here. We just love getting to serve the city of Oviedo. What's up, Action Church? I'm in downtown Orlando, where because of your generosity, we were able to stuff some backpacks and then go and hand deliver them to the homeless. In a, in a world that tells them they don't matter, our God says that they do. What's up, family? Here at the Circle K off of Semeron and Howell Branch, wrapping up an amazing week where we've been able to reach people where they are and connect them to everything that God has for their life. And today, we're gonna give people free gas. We're going down to the Homeless Coalition downtown. We're giving uh, a food to the homeless, really in an effort to demonstrate the love of Jesus to a dying world. We will not stop being obedient to what God has called us to do. From serving pancakes door to door from our old central offices to serve days to now a reach week with over 50 projects, reaching people where they are and connecting them to everything God has for their life. You know, we believe for immeasurably more and now we are living it out immeasurably more than all we could ask, seek, or imagine. But we will not stop reaching people one faithful, obedient step at a time. Come on, come on. I love all that God has done. We celebrate, we thank God. Uh, but I got, I got a little bit, see, I, I'm from Alabama and, and uh, Roll Tide, and Coach Saban is my coach, and second to Jesus, the most influential man in my life. I'm just, I'm just kidding, <laughs> totally kidding. 
But th- there's a point, and this is gonna sound harsh, but if you call Ash Church home, you're gonna get it. There, there's a point where, where you, you have to stop looking back and you have to look forward. The needs that we've celebrated meeting are already met. We're done getting credit for the past. And so I think so many times as people, we live in yesterday's victories. Come on, guys, you talk about how good you were in high school and college, and we all know you weren't that good. Your wife's like, that's how she knows you're a liar. Like, I was All-American. You weren't even all your own team. You didn't even start. You you didn't even play. Like, you, you weren't even on the varsity. You got cut. Like, I was amazing. No, you weren't. And if we're not careful as a church that has seen a lot of worldly success, we'll begin to drink our own Kool-Aid and say, hey, look at what we've done. Uh, Today, I wanna talk about needs near us and and not, no longer celebrate what God has done. We are so grateful for that and honored to be a part of it and so humble that he chose to use us. But to be used again would mean, hey, God, I I celebrate, but, but what do you have for me now? Needs near us, there are needs that need to be met. And the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 9, he writes to the church in Corinth and he, and he talks about his own personal journey. He, he talks about how he is going to meet the needs near him, how he is going to reach and connect, how he is going to live out the Great Commission. And I think there's four or five statements that we can learn together from today in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 in the context of Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth, how we can be people, how we can be a church that address the needs near us, like from this day forward, like what are we going to do now with this season and with this time and with these resources? I wanna read out the message paraphrase today, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter nine, verses 19 through 23. It says, even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, that must be nice, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous, moralist, loose-living, immoralist, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ. But I entered their world, and I tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all of this because of the message. I didn't want to just talk about it, I wanted to be in on it. How do we become people that address the, the needs near us? If, if fear and doubt and poverty and unemployment and, 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 and racial division and election turmoil and stress, if those are the trends near us, how can we be people that address the needs of others? Well, let's just start with the first statement, 1 Corinthians 9, even though, this is the Apostle Paul, even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone. If we're gonna meet the needs around us, I need you to write this down and get this first. You need to acknowledge the needs within you. You and I cannot give something away that we don't possess. And if we haven't received grace, and if we haven't received mercy, and if we haven't received forgiveness, and if we haven't found our own freedom, we don't have anything to offer. Like I I have to, it sounds selfish, but you have to allow the Holy Spirit to, to meet the needs, to acknowledge that I need to be set free and I need Jesus and I need to be restored. Acknowledge the needs within you. 
If we're gonna acknowledge and, and meet the needs around us, we've gotta find our own freedom. We gotta find our own freedom from approval. I, he says, I'm free from everyone's expectations. What if we lived that way? What if we didn't care what everybody else thought, what the world thought, we just cared about what, what Jesus and the Holy Spirit was prompting us to do, what, what our, our pastors and small group leaders and mentors and the close Bible-believing friends that we have care? What if we were free from approval? What if you were free from addiction? Trying to meet needs but still struggling with an addiction. What if you were free from that betrayal that happened in your life? What if you were free from religion? Now, the church would be a lot better if we got free from religion. What if you're free from shame, from your past, from your sin? To acknowledge and meet the needs around us, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to meet the needs within us. And, and this isn't a shameless plug, this isn't a system. I do believe that there are so many small groups that will change your life. But if you say, Pastor Justin, today, I, I wanna join the team, I, I, I'm ready. But by the end of this, if you're not on your feet or ready to join the team, you don't have a pulse. Like this message is going somewhere really, really good. But I'm just here to tell you, I'm just here to tell you, if you do it without meeting the needs within you, you will burn out, you will fall off, you will not last because you are wrestling with something. You need a freedom group. And they start in two weeks at all of our locations. And I'm here to tell you, before you start running full speed to help others, allow the Holy Spirit to heal you. You gotta acknowledge the, the needs within you. How, how are we gonna be people that, that meet the needs? We are gonna acknowledge that we have our own. Let's keep reading. He says, I voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. That, there's a couple things there that are, are very, very important. I voluntarily become a servant. Like he's voluntarily laid his life down. Paul, Paul's saying, I submitted to the call, to the, to the message, to the mission. A servant to any and all, not just those who deserve it. Come on, we gotta get this, church. In order to reach a wide range of people, what I found is we usually only reach people that look like us and think like us and talk like us. He said, no, I wanna reach a wide range of people, like with a different skin color, with a different socioeconomic background and a different belief system. To do that, to do that, here's the second thing, write this down. We, do, we need to acknowledge that everyone needs Jesus. Everyone. No, we, we love to say that, but we hate to live it out. Let's do a little exercise real quick. We, we did this about three or four years ago, but it was so much fun uh, for me, probably not for you, but just re <laughs> repeat after me, repeat after me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves oh, it's, yeah, he does. You're so excited. Yes, yes, he does. Jesus loves me this. You love that one. Now look to your neighbor, say, Jesus loves you. Jesus now look to the one that you ignored that you love less and say, Jesus loves you too. Haven't you always found that I love you too is just not quite as good as I love you? You know what I mean? Like, if you respond with I love you too, it's like 80% is good. You know what I mean? Like, I want you to initiate I love you. All right, here, here keep going, keep going. Jesus loves the people I don't know. Gets a little quieter. Jesus loves the people I don't like. It's tougher to live out. Here's the last one. Jesus loves the people not like me. I'm down to about 40% participation here at Winter Park. Jesus loves everybody. Everybody 
is somebody that Jesus died for. Everybody. The person that you disagree with on Facebook, that you troll all the time, that you just comment how dumb they are with their politics, he loves them. He loves the president you voted for and didn't vote for. We're missing it. People aren't the enemy. We say all the time, people are the mission. And Jesus died for them. And the gospel is not that he, he changed us so that he could accept us. The gospel is that he accepted us so that he could change us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The church, we get it backwards. We're trying to correct people that don't believe what we believe. How stupid, say that out loud. You're wrong. They're like, I don't, I don't believe what you believe. And what I found, this is an old Maxwell quote, John Maxwell, great leadership teacher and Bible teacher. When it comes to people that don't know Jesus, you can either connect with them or you can correct them, but you can never do both. We're not called to correct the world. We're called to reach the world. Now, we are called to correct Christians. In fact, Paul writes to Timothy, a young church planner, planning a church in Ephesus, leading the church in Ephesus, and says, hey, correct, rebuke, and exhort. Actually, 66% of the job description that he gave Timothy was to correct. So, so many times we're in the church and we think, now, hey, why is this pastor, this small group with this team leader in my business? Because that's their job description from the Lord. So like correction is something that Christians should do. But when we look at a, a world we're trying to reach, needs near us, we, we can go out and we can correct and we can yell. I mean, just think about it. A sign yelling at people, turn or burn, or a hot meal, which one are you gonna accept? I'm personally gonna go with a hot meal and then ask you, why are you doing this? I don't get a lot of whys if I'm saying you are an awful person, you're going to hell. I think I'm not gonna talk to you ever. But if you're giving me a hot meal, I'm like, hey, what's, why? Why are you doing that? God's kindness leads people to repentance, and I think the church needs a little more connection and a little more kindness and a little less correction. Hear me very clearly that we need to be growing in our faith and digging deep and correcting believers. I'm talking about how we reach and meet the needs around us. Paul says, I, I serve them by setting aside my own rights. God, if anybody could hear that today in America, hey, I, I set aside my own rights. I'm not gonna go there. I'm just gonna ask you a question. I'm gonna let the Holy Spirit wrestle with you this week. Is your fight for your rights or to be right actually leading people to Jesus? Just write down and pray through it. I'm not, I'm not even gonna go, I'm not even gonna get in. Just, is your fight to be right or your fight for your own personal rights leading people to the Lord? There's a lot of Holy Spirit to work on all of us this week and ask us, where are we missing the mark? First Corinthians 9, I didn't take on their way of life, that's important. So all too often we talk about meeting needs and connecting with people and we, we think that we have to go into sin to reach people. That is not the gospel, that is not what the church does. I didn't take on their way of life. He said, I'll do anything, I'll lay down any rights, but I'm not gonna behave like them. I kept my bearings in Christ. I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. Like, I, I wanna see it how they see it. Here's the third thing. If we're gonna meet the needs around us, near us, we need to acknowledge that meeting needs 
may cause us to be uncomfortable. You know, I found that sometimes we make it harder for people to come to church than the gospel makes it to get to heaven. Now you gotta do this, and you gotta dress like this, and you gotta be like this, and don't say this, and don't wear this, and don't be friends with this. Like we're trying to like fix everything. And that's just not the gospel. God accepts us so that he can change us. It's really important that he said he kept his bearings in Christ that to reach people, to meet the needs. I don't have to be like them, but I do have to like them. Not their way of life of the world, but we do actually have to like the people that we're called to reach. The spirit of conviction is falling over Winter Park right now. Jesus' name is quiet here. We have to see things from their point of view, which means we have to have uncomfortable conversations. We have to hang out with people with different backgrounds and different lifestyles, and I don't see it that way. As Christians, we have to learn how to, to have a disagreement on opinion that doesn't divide the relationship. We're called to, to reach people. You know, Matthew 5 Matthew's gospel, it talks about the Christians were, were called to be salt and light. You heard that before, salt and light. There's something really, uh, I think, cool about this analogy because we need, we're called to be salt and light. You know, salt, it makes things taste better. Come on, somebody, if we just got out of the fast a couple weeks ago, I couldn't wait to get something salt. How many of you are salty people? Salty people, how many of you are, are sweet people? See, I, I'm, yeah, Eddie's, got, oh, come on. That's, a, that's the loudest amen Eddie's had all day. He's losing his voice. He said, oh, Jesus. He just felt the Holy Ghost right there in that moment, Matthew 5. <laughs> See, salt, just a little bit of salt is great. But you know, if you, don't, if you don't put enough salt on something, it's bland. And too many Christians aren't, aren't salty enough. Like what I mean is nobody can tell the difference. You look and taste like the world. Like there's just not enough salt in your life. You look the same. You've not, you've not just entered their world, you've began to live in the world and you don't look like a believer anymore. What I'm saying is nobody looks at your life and sees any difference, and if there's no difference, why would they want to change? Like, if, if you're saying this, but you don't do anything different, why would I actually want to change what I'm doing? Like, you're not salty enough. But my son, Kingston, he, he's, he's not great at portion control. We were having eggs the other day, and, and he had more salt on his eggs than he had eggs. You know what I mean? In his face... He said, no, Daddy, I love salt. Like, I love it. He's just dumping. I said, buddy, you're not, I, I just, I made those eggs and I, I worked really hard for those eggs and I don't make eggs a lot and you ruined the eggs. He's like, no, Dad, they're great. And when he put that bite in his mouth, it was like, oh. <laughs> Some of you, too salty. <laughs> like, you're too saved. Like, you are so salty, the world wants nothing to do with you. You know what I mean? You're just like, oh, God, that's too much. But the right amount of salt, it makes everything a little bit better. And a, and a Christian that has the right amount of grace and truth into every situation, it's just it's the right amount. What about light? There's not enough light. You're gonna fall. You ever been like traveling or somewhere, maybe in a hotel room and you don't quite have your bearings and you, you went to sleep and you didn't have a light on and you're just walking around like the hotel, you're kicking everything, you're bleeding everywhere. You know what I mean? Like you've, you've kicked 
the nightstand, you broke your pinky toe on the desk. Like, these are all real stories in my life. Like, they, <laughs> there's just not enough light. Like, I, I can't see, and if there's not enough light in your life, people can't see the difference and follow me as I follow Jesus, and they're just missing it because you're, you're not lighting up the path with your wall. But have you ever looked at the sun? Have you ever been asleep in that same hotel room and, and your, your spouse or your kids rips back the curtains? You're like, oh, God, almighty, give you praise, but I'm blind. <laughs> because too much light is blinding. But as believers, if we have the right amount of salt and the right amount of light, we taste good enough for the world to be curious and just the amount of light, we, we can light up the path, we can light up the, the wall, we can light up their their life, we need to acknowledge that we may have to be uncomfortable to do this, but we're called to be salt and light. Let's keep reading again, 1 Corinthians 9. So I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all of this because of the message. He said, I've done just about everything that I know how to do. Here's the next one. Acknowledge that change and creativity is not just okay, it's needed. It's needed. Paul writes, depending on uh, uh, um, different scholars, roughly about 13 uh, books of the New Testament. And when he wrote to Jews, he, he wrote differently to people of Jewish descent and what the Bible calls the Gentiles, the, the non-Jews. When he wrote to Jews, he, he preached the Old Testament. He talked about the patriarchs. He, he talked about uh, their, the lineage. He, he talked about these things. When he preached the Gentiles, he talked about the God of, of creation because they wouldn't understand, they, they would have no, no time for genealogies that wouldn't mean anything to them. They were not in the Jewish system. They'd have no time for Old Testament law, the Torah, no, no time for Moses. They didn't know, it would bring out the, the God of, of creation, what they could see, what they could feel, because he wasn't worried about the details of how the message was delivered. He was just worried about the message being Delivered, And so I want you to hear very clearly at Action Church, we don't care how it's delivered. Say, I don't like this outreach, or why do we give gas away, or why is this song, or this thing? We, too many churches focus on how, and Paul's saying it doesn't matter how. I don't care about how. I need you to be really clear. We care about two things. We care about what? That is the message, that you cannot change it, you cannot water it down, you cannot add to it. Like, I can't make it easier for you that there's one way to heaven, and if you don't accept Jesus, your Lord and Savior, you're gonna spend eternity apart from him. What I mean is, you are not going to heaven, you are gonna spend eternity in hell apart from God. Like, I can't change that. I didn't write it, I can't soften it, I can't put a LCA on it, I can't give you some gas and make you feel better about it. If you don't know Jesus, your eternal needs will never be met. You may be full from action and have gas in your tank, but you will spend eternity apart from God. Like I cannot change the what. And I don't care about the how, but I, the reason I don't care about the how is because the same thing that Paul says is, it's who's in the balance. I care about the who. And if we keep the main thing the main thing, that the message stays the same, and the how always changes. I think we give ourselves the best opportunity. Too many churches, ministries, people get fixated on the how. You know why? Because we can control the how. We love a good tradition or a good system. 
But God, Jesus specifically in his ministry, he loved to break systems. Just look at his miracles. Just feeding people randomly. Just spitting on people. <laughs> just the weirdest things. I think it was just for fun. He's like, oh, you thought it's because I said, like, thus saith the Lord last time. You thought if I do this and do that and get this system and wear this thing or have this order of service or sing this number of, of hymns or do this specific outreach or get this idea. I'm just here to tell you that how will always change, that we have to hold the how very loosely. Going into year eight and year 18 and year 80, this church will look completely different when the next generation is in charge. The how has to change to reach a lost and dying world. But to be the church, the what and the who never can. We say it like this, let's marry the mission of Jesus Christ and let's date the model and the systems. There's gonna be a time where I have to break up with some things in the how. Well, let's make sure we're in a covenant with the what we're following, the who we're following, and the who that we're trying to reach. <laughs> Acknowledge it's not just okay, it's, it's needed. Here's where we'll close today. 1 Corinthians 9, the Apostle Paul writes, probably one of my favorite lines in the New Testament. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. I'm not a brilliant man. That's why we named the church Action Church. I wrote down like 100 different synonyms. I wish I would have known Pastor Joseph at the time. We probably had a much cooler name, probably like Greek or Hebrew or Latin, and it would have been like, whoa, what does that mean? And we're like, action. <laughs> but I'm from Alabama, and we're only good at football. <laughs> Fried chicken and gravy biscuits. But other than that, just action. I didn't want to talk about it. I want to be in on it. Here's the last one. We need to acknowledge that just acknowledging will never be enough. We gotta do something about it. How many, uh, how many Netflix fans do we have in here? This is not a political statement. Gosh, please don't talk about like boycotting or anything. Just, just, you enjoy streaming services. Like, you know what I mean? Just any of them, just fill in the blank. What's crazy, what's crazy is what trends on Netflix, right? If you ever, like if you got on there every day, like the top 10 always change. You'd be like, that movie's in the top 10? Like for real? Like I think people just get bored and then it gets popular and like trends on like Instagram or Twitter or somewhere and they're like, oh, I remember that movie. You go back and watch it like it wasn't that good. See, Netflix, we get caught and we just keep watching and watching and watching. Well, there's, there's these trends and, and there's this top 10. And so if you're new to Action Church, I was just, on a plane this week, writing these down, and, and they're in no specific order, but we talk about needs near us. Like this is, this is Action Church top 10 needs near me. Like the, if we were on Netflix and it was what's trending, this is, this is who we're gonna be in this, this next season. This is the top 10 things of, of Action Church's list of needs to meet. The first one is that people find salvation in Jesus. Number two, People find freedom from their past. Number three, people finding their God-given purpose. There are so many people, 
even in this room, maybe at home right now, and you're, you're so confused because you don't know who you're created to be. The world has lied to you, people have tore you down, and I'm just here to tell you that Jesus gave everything for you. Your life has infinite value. There's never been another you. God does not make copies, he does not make mistakes, he has put a purpose on the inside of you, and you will never find fulfillment in that relationship, in that career, in whatever you're doing until you find the thing that God created you to do. Number four, education of young people, especially in economically challenged areas across our community, America, in the world. And that is what we're doing both here in, in areas in Orlando and in Uganda and around the world because outside of Jesus, the greatest gift we can give people that are struggling is knowledge and education. Number five, we're gonna serve the poor because the Bible says what you do unto the least of these you do unto me. We're gonna serve the poor and the hurting. Number six, we're gonna fight for the life of the unborn. Number seven, we're gonna fight for racial reconciliation. That all people that walk into an action church know that they matter to God, that their story matters, that their experience matters, that their pain matters. We're gonna fight modern day slavery in the form of sex slavery, tens of millions. And what we do here, the different homes, the different ministries, what we do around the world, through our international missions, fighting sex slavery. Here's a couple personal action church things for our next generation. Number nine, we're gonna train godly kids with a solid foundation in God's word. And our action kids, we want them to know a few things, that God loves them, we believe in them, and that church can be fun. And we're gonna find that. And then number 10, we're gonna create environments where students can find their own relationship with God. Not their parents, not their grandparents, not their brother or sister, but they know Jesus died for them and they begin to walk in an authentic faith. So they don't leave a youth group, but they find a, an eternal savior in a church they can call home. Netflix. Gospel according to Netflix. Needs near me according to Netflix. The top 10 trending things here. And you're gonna pick off one of those if you call Action Church home and I'm gonna give to that and I'm gonna serve in that area. But have you ever noticed how long you can watch Netflix? Is this just me or can it be like 2 a.m. and you're like, I could do one more? You good? I'm good. I got a meeting at seven, but you know what? This show won't watch itself. Have you ever, have you ever watched it so long that it pops up? Are you still watching? That's how you know you become a loser. That's how you know you officially suck at life. If you get that prompt, you're like, I, I no longer have a reason to live. You know what I mean? Jesus, take me home. Do you know why it asked you that? Because it assumes you fell asleep. You, there's no way you're still there. It's been three days. Some of you are asleep when it comes to being aware of the needs that are going on around you. And today is your wake up call, it is the alarm, the one that you didn't know that you set. You're like, who set that 5.30 a.m.? Me, to wake you up in the middle of your slumber to let you know there are people that are lost and dying and hungry and hurting and you're asleep. 
But you know what's even sadder? There are so many Christians that call Action Church home that you're not asleep, you're just still watching. Not serving, not giving, just sitting in the seat of somebody else's sacrifice. Still treating God's house and his mission like it's something to watch or rent or to consume and watching other people do what only you know that God created you to do. My question going into year eight is not, are you still watching? It's how are you still watching? If you call Jesus your savior and you see outreaches and you see recovery and you see freedom groups and you see all of this and you're still watching, you have a real question to ask yourself today and is, have I ever followed Jesus? Freely you have received give it away. Apostle Paul says, I didn't want to just talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. In a world that seems like it's falling apart, it needs a church to not watch it divide and destroy, but to be in on the healing and the hope grace. Everybody has a next step today. For some of you, you can't give it away because you haven't received it. It's salvation. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. For others of you, you've received Jesus, but you've never gone public with your faith. And today is the day you're not just talking about it. You're in on it. You're declaring for your friends and your family, for your Facebook and your Instagram, for your workplace that I know Jesus. Others of you, it's, it's a freedom group. You're aware of these needs now, you're acknowledging them, but you know you're not ready to serve and to give because you need to heal some things. That's in two weeks. Others of you, you've been watching and the spirit of conviction is on you and action steps is your next step, beginning of February. Others of you, you've been blessed in your family and you've been receiving, you've been taking from God and your next step is to begin to trust him with your finances and your resources and to give that the gospel is gonna expand to this church because you're gonna use your gifts. All of us, myself included, everybody on our staff and team in this next season, we're done getting credit for what we've done. We have a next step to follow Jesus. There are some needs that will never be met until you take that faithful act and step of obedience. So I'm asking the Holy Spirit to convict all of us today. What is that step that we will take to meet the needs near me? Would you bow your heads at all of our locations? worship went online, just bow your heads right where you are. Just as quickly as I can, because I preached way too long. Your next step is salvation. I'm believing several of you today are gonna receive Jesus and then go out front at your location and get baptized. Jesus, the perfect Son of God, the second part of the Trinity, was sent by His heavenly Father to live for you and for me. Why? Because an unholy people, a sinful people, which you and I are, without Jesus, could never be reconciled to a holy God. So he sent Jesus to live a perfect life so that he could die a sinner's death in your place. There was a, a sacrifice that was demanded and it was the, the blood of Jesus. 
So he lived for you so he could die as you. And his death gives you access to forgiveness and salvation. The resurrection the Bible talks about gives us access to power, freedom over sin and the grave. Romans declares that if we will confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that he is Lord, we believe that the power of living God raised Jesus from the dead, that we can be saved. That is your first step to freedom. That is your first step to fulfillment. That is your first step to, to meeting needs. And our message is to acknowledging that you have a need of an eternal Savior. And today I wanna give you the opportunity to, to make that decision to follow Jesus. For some of you, for the first time. Others of you watched that video of Irving. So proud of you, Irving, and the decision you made today. But today's just like Irving, a recommitment. You've sat in church. You've played the game. You've gone through the motions. But today you say that there are needs around me, but there's a need in me. I need to find my Savior. I'm recommitting my life today, giving Jesus access to all of me. If that's you, come on here. Winter Park, Sanford South, Oviedo. Say, I wanna accept Jesus today. For the first time, I'm recommitting my life and accepting him for the first time in a long time. Would you raise your hand right where you are? Say, I need Jesus in my life. Come on, one, two, three, yep, four, five. Six in the back, proud of you. Seven or eight in here. Come on, Sanford, raise them high. South Orlando, come on, Oviedo and Haggerty High School right now. Maybe you're just sitting in your living room. God is speaking to you. Proud of you. Praise in your hearts. I pray out loud. Say this. Say, God, I love you. God, I thank you for saving me. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I'm saved only by your grace. And I am confessing with my mouth and I'm believing in my heart that you are the Lord. I'm giving you that place today, complete and total control. God, have your way in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. And God, I pray for all of us. Holy Spirit, challenge us this week. Let us acknowledge some things. And let us take that acknowledgement into action in Jesus' name. We love you. We thank you for all you've done. We're expected for all that you're gonna do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Church, can we celebrate all the decisions? Come on, really celebrate. I'm so proud of you.